Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm Margaret. Now one of you says hi. Hi, Margaret. No, you say hi like you say who you are. Oh, hi. Who I am? Brooke. <laughs> um, and I'm... <laughs> And I'm Inman. Did I do good? Was that good? You did great. Did I do it right? Y'all did great. <laughs> I'm joined by Brooke High and fives. Inman today for another episode of This Month in the Apocalypse. And this is an extra special, extra apocalypse month that we're going to be talking about because we're talking about July 2023, the hottest month in the history of humans being alive Unless you're listening to this in August, in which case maybe you're like, July, that was some fucking amateur hour shit. But for now, here us at the end of July, hottest month ever. And you know what else is hot is Channel Zero Network, the network of anarchist (laughs) podcasts. There's nothing wrong with this comparison. We are a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of anarchist podcasts. And here's a jingle from another show on the network. The Final Straw is a weekly anarchist radio show. It's fucking awesome, and you're never going to hear me say fucking awesome on our show because we're FCC regulated. There's a a black part of my heart that that just flutters when you when you talk like that. I talk, then more yelling. It's a weird sort of like nice thing in a way, but also can get kind of crushing at times. Thefinalstrawradio.noblogs.org And we're back. Um, And to start off, to start off today, we're going to talk a little bit about global temperatures and the heat wave that we are in the middle of experiencing right now. So this is, July was quite possibly the hottest, or I mean, definitely the hottest month on record in, you know, a recorded historical way, and possibly one of the hottest months um, on the planet in a very long time. And so I live in Arizona, and in Phoenix, the ground temperature there were daily record breaks where in the in the heat where the hottest day on record was it was 117 degrees and then the next day it was 118 degrees and then the next day it was 119 degrees it won't even make it to that 20 like come on just give us give us the round number <laughs> <laughs> well no no don't stay less <laughs> oh interesting okay but, there, there is, I learned, a really horrifying thing that happens at 120 degrees. So I really hope that it doesn't get to 120 degrees. Do you all know what happens when the ground temperature reaches 120 degrees in the sun? Does Mothra break out of the cracked earth and fight Godzilla? S- sort of. Propane tanks <laughs> spontaneously combust. Oh, God. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> Oh yeah. my gosh. It's re- it's really bad. So in actuality, the temperature did reach 120 degrees because a an enormous propane tank near the Sky Harbor International Airport exploded along with a bunch of like five gallon ones and it caused Oof. this like huge fire, like a bunch of cars were destroyed. Um 
And yeah, which, you know, is by itself not like some huge world ending thing. But uh, if you live anywhere where it might be 120 degrees on the ground, possibly in Arizona, take your propane tanks out of the sun because they might explode. Normally, I would say don't put them inside because in general, (laughs) that's a really bad idea. But it's probably better than like popcorn kernels in your yard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I I say this for people who like, you know, if you have like a grill outside that just like has the propane tank attached to it and it's like Uh not in the shade or anything, um, then yeah, it could just explode and destroy your house. So yeah, but only if it's 120 degrees. If you're at 119, you're perfectly safe. Leave those propane tanks just right out there in the middle of the sun on the asphalt, right? E- no, don't do that. Because, um... <laughs> Place them near the following people who run the following companies. Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to know about the um, the? average overall temperatures in the month of July in Phoenix while we're talking about Phoenix? I mean, no, but tell us anyway. Okay. For the month of July in Phoenix, the average high temperature, daily high temperature was 114 degrees. And here's the really fun one. The average low temperature, like the coldest it got, was 90 degrees. There was also a, a new low warm record. There was a night in Phoenix where it didn't get below 97 degrees. Ooh, golly. Which is too hot. It is and too hot. I didn't write this number down because I forgot. Massive, like, the, the, there's also a record of the most electricity the city of Phoenix has ever drawn because everyone was running their air conditioners for good reasons. This is not a don't run your air conditioners. This is more of a there is a limit to what the grid can handle. Mm. Yeah, and um, just to, since we're hyper-focusing on Phoenix, um, in the last, I think, I don't think this was last month, but in the last couple months, um, the governor did halt uh, a lot of, like, new housing developments that were getting built um, Mm -hmm. due to concerns over the future of water in Phoenix. Ah. And there's... It seems like there's two ways to read that. There is the like, I am notably on the record of feeling like uh, people who are, (laughs) that Arizona is in trouble. I am on the record for that and I don't want to get into the specifics. Um, But the more kind way to read the lack of expansion is that it's, it was less like these places are out of water and more that. I believe in Arizona or in the Phoenix metro area or something, you have to be able to prove that there will be water access for the next hundred years in order to build. Um, And so it was a little bit less like these are out of water and more like we cannot guarantee this water. Um, I think that's the kinder way. No, not the kinder. The, (laughs) that is one way to read that. Um, The other is that Arizona is in fucking trouble. Yeah, and it, you know, it stems from these, like, larger issues of, like, the Colorado River having these, mm-hmm. like, all-time yeah. lows in water flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and just due to Phoenix being this, like, huge, sprawling 
place that is like under constant development. Like I think it's where outside of Phoenix is where Bill Gates is trying to build some like new smart future city. Um, (laughs) Uh (laughs) Which is really confusing. Is that fucking Elon Um, Musk got into him or something? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's supposed to be this like huge self-contained like smart city that's outside of it's like in the larger Phoenix area, but like is Mm -hmm. um, separated from Phoenix and my first thing that I thought was like, why there's no, where are you going to get water from? Which I guess if you're like, yeah. if you're Bill Gates, you maybe have to worry less about where your water's coming from. But I mean, eventually, um, uh, other heat stuff from this month. Let's see. We had, um, uh, I was looking at a bunch of maps of where all of this heat wave stuff hit. Right. And overall, the hardest hit places were the coastal south, the southwest. Of course, Phoenix gets a lot of the attention and for good reason. The coastal south got an awful lot. And then actually, in terms of it being way hotter than usual, it also affected the lower and middle Midwest. Um, The Pacific Northwest and Central Appalachia, a.k.a. the two best places in the country, based on the general disbursement of the three people on this call, um, were the least affected. (laughs) Um, and, uh, last weekend, sorry, last week, thousands of people across the U S went to the hospital for heat related illnesses. Only six States have laws protecting workers that say things like you actually can't make people work when it's too hot out or they'll die. Hmm. Only six States actually have laws that are like, you have to provide like shade and rest and water for people working outside. Um, I read a heartbreaking story about a you know, young man who died laying cable, trying to send money to his mother and work his way through school and all that shit. Um, The federal government is working on a law about maybe you shouldn't let people work where it kills them in the heat. That law has not, they've been working on it for years and nothing has happened. Um, Yeah. Or more on heat or even move to wildfire. Capitalism is so ridiculous. The fact that we have to come along and legislate, like, hey, maybe don't work people to death in the heat. Like, that shouldn't have to be a law that anyone has to have because we're fucking human beings and we should treat each other better. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's upsetting. So, uh, the United States is not the only place that's uh, super hot. (laughs) Um, uh, Europe's got. going through another massive heat wave like they did last summer. And uh, last summer's heat wave, you may recall from the news, was breaking record temperatures and and uh, quite severe. Um, and one report I read said something like 60,000 Europeans died last year due to the heat wave. Um, their average temperatures are currently much higher than they were um, last summer even, or getting getting to high temperatures earlier in the summer than they did last year. That's what I really mean to say. Um, And it's affecting lots of things. For instance, uh, Greece is experiencing wildfires um, on a massive scale, which I guess they're somewhat prone to wildfires already, like the Pacific Northwest. But the amount of um, acreage burning right now is uh, two and a half times the average that they experience this time of year. Um, particularly the island of Rhodes, um, which is a Greece island, Greek Greek island. 
um, has had to evacuate tens of thousands of people off the island due to the wildfires. There's um, something like 90,000 acres of wildfires currently burning in Greece, which Jesus. yeah, is a really significant size of wildfire. And it's weird how much perspective shifts on this, especially being from somewhere Pacific Northwest that we're kind of prone to wildfires. And if we get one that's like 10,000, 20,000 acres, I'm like, meh. I mean, that's huge. But at the same time, in the last few years, we've had ones that are 80, 90, 100,000 acres. So, uh, you know, perspective shifts on on what a severe wildfire is. But 90,000 acres is just massive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Greece is, Greece is not having a good time with the fires right now. And then right before we hit record, I was reading about how today um, there's a 300,000-person city in Sicily – whose name I forgot to write down, um, that is largely without water or electricity today because the 46 degree Celsius, which I want to say is like 118 or something like that, um, melted asphalt and fucked up all the infrastructure underneath. So no more electricity and water in a town of 300,000. Um, wow. And that is also like uh, experiencing a ton of wildfire. Apparently like the city is also surrounded by wildfire. Maybe that was a different city nearby. You know, when you say that, Margaret, it dis I distinctly remember us talking last summer about the, the heat wave and how the Euro a lot of European towns, countries aren't built for the high heats and things were melting yeah. like that, like the asphalt and stuff. And then, oh, yeah. yeah, I remember, yeah, in England, you had like uh, the tarmac, which is the British word for asphalt, I think. <laughs> I don't know. They don't know how to do anything right. <laughs> And then Island. speaking of places that Europe hasn't done right, Northern Africa is also completely fucked by the current heat wave and in particular wildfires. Um, Algerian wildfires are fucking everything up. Like as I'm sort of like, as we're recording, uh, unfortunately they'll probably get worse by the time this comes out. Um, Al Algerian wildfires so far have killed at least 38 people, including at least 10 soldiers who are doing wildlands fire duty. More than 1,500 people have been evacuated from 97 fires around that country. Uh, Tunisia is also having some fucking times because actually it turns out that national borders are nonsense. Mm -hmm. And Algiers, the city of Algiers, had a fun 120-degree day this, I believe, last week. And two years ago, Algerian wildfires killed 65 people in one week, including a lot of those people are the people who are like, bravely fighting those wildfires um wow. and i don't know those people are fucking heroes and martyrs to climate change is the heat causing other kinds of problems in the world margaret uh you mean the antarctic ice that isn't there well hear me out it's actually a solution because we're all going to move to antarctica which will be green <laughs> oh god and uh, there won't be any lovecraftian temples with strange writing in the mountains of madness uh <laughs> someone's gonna yell at me about lovecraft anyway um antarctica is like having some real interesting times um i don't know if people have seen the news this week every now and then like climate change people like post the uh like like the the deviation from norms charts where the like waves mm -hmm. go up and down and stuff and this year's then they're just not 
usually they're like, check it out. This wave is a little bit different. It's pushing an envelope. It's got some new records. There's no Antarctic ice. That's an exaggeration. That's hyperbole. Uh, Antarctic ice is lower than it's impo- that it's possible for people to easily conceptualize right now. Um, it's it's winter in, in Antarctica right now. And so when we talk about the hottest year on record, we're like, oh, well, it's summer. Of course it's hot, right? We're talking about the hottest year in the fucking world. Half of the world is in winter right now, right? Um, but sea, uh, sea temperatures are rising, which actually are going to uh, fuck, I forgot to write this down. I was reading about it right beforehand. There's a new study saying that the Gulf Stream, the thing that like cycles the fucking goddamn waters of the world, will likely stop somewhere between 2025 and 2100 with the average gas being about 2050, but as soon as two years from now, um, which will have all kinds of changes. Um, ironically, one of them is that Europe might get colder. Uh, <laughs> it's that movie, The Day After Tomorrow, is based on this concept that the Gulf Stream uh-huh. stops moving. Oh, that movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, that beautiful, wonderful movie. I barely remember it. But I snuck into the theater um, and I was like too paranoid the whole time. I was like afraid we'd get caught because we were like really obviously dirty punks. And it was just like so obvious, but we didn't get caught. And I don't really remember much about that movie besides it's cold and that people are willing to walk a very long way for their family, which is very sweet. Um, so this event is... This is a historic low of ice following previous all-time lows of 2016, 2017, and 2022. Um, But this is a five to six sigma event. Five to six, not like cool guys who go their own way, but five to six (laughs) standard deviations away from normal event, which is a meaningless thing. I had to spend like 20 minutes reading about what the fuck that means to try and explain it to people because you're just like, oh, it's a lot, right? It's It's a lot, a lot statistically a four sigma event a four standards of probability standard deviation thing is now you're talking about something that is functionally 100 percent, right right this is now so far basically it's like imagine stuff is on a bell curve the the far edges of it are the the sigma are the standard deviations away from the norm the norm is the center um when you get to the when you get to like four you're you're at functionally a hundred percent of things don't don't fall into this right, mm-hmm. or something that happens functionally zero percent of the time. It's not actually zero percent of the time, so it is statistic, but it's like often seen as statistically insignificant. For example, if you were to flip a coin one hundred times, the odds of that coming up heads all one hundred times is one in three point five million. That is a five sigma event right um the standard deviation this the amount of antarctic ice that isn't there this winter when it's supposed to be coming back is more than that it is about twice that it is a one in 7.5 million year event which isn't to say this happened 7.5 million years ago it didn't that are the that's the odds of it happening randomly any given year Hmm. so it's really funny because scientists have to be very exact, which is part of what causes a lot of like climate change confusion. Because if you ask a scientist, like, is this man-made? A scientist has to be like, we cannot to 100% certainty certain that, right? Because they're like, right. because they're not certain. And science is based on uncertainty. And so like a lot of the articles, they're like, look, technically we're not sure. It's just really, really unlikely that it isn't. And I remember... One time I asked one of my science-minded doctor friends, I was like, what are the odds that I'm going to have the following health problem that is too personal for me to explain on air? (laughs) 
he was like, look, that is possible. That is a possible risk vector. Uh, it's about as likely as you getting eaten by a shark today in Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> Which is to say it was possible, but not worth fucking worrying about. And this is the opposite of that. This is worth fucking worrying about. And ice decrease, of course, obviously it makes the water get bigger, right? Because it's not in ice form. But also ice reflects back an awful lot of sunlight. There is a chance oh. that the ice will be back next year. There is a chance that it won't. Uh, I was not able to find, I was able to find scientists being like, we don't fucking know. I was not able to find scientists giving statistics. This is, I think, so I'm going to go on a rant. I warned everyone, not you all, the listeners, but I warned my co-host. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant today. This is. And that was it. No, no, we're just getting started. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, you okay, can't well, even cut the ads because there are not many fucking ads. Let me buckle in for this. Okay, yeah. I'm ready to go. All right. So uh, <laughs> I think I try really hard to not be a like sky is falling girl. Right. Um, I talk mm-hmm. about preparedness and possible bad futures. Uh, semi-professional. I actually don't get paid for this, but like I do it a lot. It's like one of the main things that's like that I do with my time. <laughs> and I try really hard to be like, look, we don't know. Don't put all your eggs into your savings for the when you're 80 basket, but also don't put none of them in. Right. Um, Because the future is unknowable. And that is true. I think that this month marks a turning point where we can no longer in good conscience talk about climate change as a possibility or even as like a certainty that's a little bit away and we don't know how bad it's going to be. I think we have to talk about things from the point of view that this is happening and this is really bad and this is going to stay bad. Um, no matter what we do. Now, that is not to say we can't do anything, and that's not to say we can't mitigate it. But I think that we need to just like, I know I will at least have to stop hedging some of what I say. And I think that this month is the most clear we are in a really bad time. I don't want to say like apocalypse because it's sort of a meaningless word. With the only, since I, since we've been having this show, with the possible exception of March 2020. And so I just like really quickly, and we'll get back to our your regularly scheduled talking about some stuff. I want to talk about some of the stuff we can like do really quickly and like what I think is really useful. And overall, what I believe is useful is that we need to start working together in communities to build bottom-up solutions, not necessarily just to climate change, although that's true, but to preparing for and weathering the impacts of climate change. Um, I don't believe that top-down solutions are coming. Prove me wrong, government handler assigned to listen to this show. Prove me fucking wrong. I will turn in my anarchy card if you fucking stop global warming. Um, Maybe. I might thank you and then still try to end you. But Weathering weathering climate change. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that working to create uh, small, medium, and large-scale communities that work from the bottom up, that are horizontally organized, that work in federation with other groups to organize on as large of scale as is necessary is our best bet going forward for how we can mitigate the worst effects of this, Um, both in terms of our survivability and in terms of having a culture that directly confronts 
uh, fossil fuel infrastructure that directly confronts, you know, the people who are, are doing this, right? Um, there's that old, I think, Utah Phillips quote, the, the earth isn't dying, it's being killed, and the people who are doing the killing of names and addresses. <laughs> I believe... Quote. I would put that on my wall. I believe that we can build the kind of resilient communities that can allow more of us to live as long and healthy lives as is possible um, considering what's happening. And I believe that the time to start thinking about that and doing that is now. I think that it is time for people to talk to their neighbors. It is time for people to work at like whatever your local community center is that is most aligned to your values. If you don't have one, fucking start one and start having skill shares, start prioritizing this. Um, I think that people should make their decisions about where they want to live based on climate right now and not just move away from the bad. Obviously that's going to happen, but also like where you want to live when slash if the structures that currently provide for us are no longer able to do so. Like for myself, I didn't pick I'm moving to where I think is going to be the least impacted by climate change. I moved to where my family is. Because that is uh, a priority that I will make above my own personal safety every time, you know? But everyone's going to make those decisions differently. And then the other final thing is that I think that we have this problem where Al Gore government type people are like, this is your fault because you didn't use fluorescent light bulbs, you used incandescent light bulbs, right? (laughs) (laughs) To date myself to like 20 years ago. And that was like the way that we were trying to get blamed as individuals. Like if you don't recycle, then like the world's going to end. And it's like, oh, the world's ending. It's clearly because I didn't recycle enough. Like one, recycling is mostly fake, although it shouldn't be. And I think it's still good practice for people to think about their waste, right? Yeah. But um, and so individual, like, so, so there's this problem where corporations are like, ah, individuals, that's, that's the solution. We don't have to change anything. Right. Mm. But we can accidentally fall on the other side of that. And we can say like, oh, well, since this isn't my fault and my individual choices don't necessarily change things, I'm off the hook. And we, the way we talk about the hook is wrong. There is a difference between fault and responsibility. It is not your fault, dear listener that this is happening, right? It is not your fault that you once got drunk and threw a car battery in the ocean. I have no idea why everyone uses throwing car batteries into the ocean as the example of horrible pollution that individuals can do, but it's like comes up all the time. So if you have, have done that- I have never heard that example before. Just that's great. FYI. You have different DMs than- um, Every time I post <laughs> about climate change, people are like, I'm gonna throw my car battery into the ocean. I don't get it. If someone wants to explain it to me, you can send it to me by my DMs and I won't look. Um, and, but there is a difference between the fault and the responsibility It is not your fault, right? Yeah. But it is our, not your, our responsibility because no one else is going to fucking do it. Rather the people who are, whose fault it is, are not going to fucking do it. Um, and we need to figure out how to do this, um, because we are running out of time, um, and I think that it's essentially liberalism in a bad sense. It's both liberalism to blame the individual, right? But it's also liberalism to be like, well, it's not my fault, so I don't have to do anything about it. Because like, 
when when you're being oppressed, right? Like for example, like to use myself as an example, as like a trans person, right? It is like not my fault that people hate trans people, but like I I don't want to be oppressed. So I need to look at doing that. I need to look at solving my problems, even though it isn't my fault. And it is a delicate balance to walk when we talk mm. about this because we need to not blame victims, but we need as collectively the billions of victims of climate change to figure out our own power and work our way out of this. I think that's the end of my rant. I actually really appreciate that, Margaret, especially the end part there, just because like I in my own personal life have been struggling with a little bit of that uh, lately, especially with the heat this summer and that feeling like, you know, there's nothing I can do. This isn't my fault. So fuck it. I want to turn down my, my AC some more or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I haven't, but that like, that's the mentality that I'm struggling with sometimes right now. So I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And like, use your AC. Like, I mean, when there's like, sometimes you get these like warnings, there are individual structures that are currently top down that I don't think are bad. Like when they send out a text being like, look, if everyone could like kind of lay off the power a little bit, so we don't all have brownouts, that would be really good. Like, you know, that's when we can all like pitch in. It sucks that we're all expected to pitch in while they fucking still like clear cut and drill and Mm. burn everything in the goddamn world. Yeah, it's like the, the like the, the this came up in Texas. Was it last year, like the year before, with like the huge power outages and in, mm-hmm. in Texas, uh, were due to there was like a, a huge heat wave and the thing one of the things that the grid collapsing was blamed on was people cranking their ACs because it was like 115 degrees outside, right? And which you know probably probably the ACs is the ACs is not actually what cause the grid to collapse it's like the the normal strain of the grid is like supporting like so many unnecessary and ridiculous things but like Mm. people were asked to turn off their air conditioners right during a heat wave so that the grid wouldn't collapse because the grid is not managed well and it's owned by private companies and you don't manage it well and so the, the the grid collapsed and then people were like people were getting heat sick people were dying and it's like we can rely on things like ACs to cool ourselves, but we actually can't because, mm. like, because of the mismanagement of like utilities and stuff like yeah. that could be what causes grids to collapse. Not because it is the individuals like our like whatever like fault, but that there's all this other mismanagement and like strain from capitalism, etc. Totally, mm-hmm. and like. I think it's a good example, too, where at the same time, it is not the people who want to turn up their AC's fault, right? But I want to be alive more than I want to not be at fault, right? So it's like, yeah. if I get a Just text, because it's, it's like, not our fault, it right. still might cause it. It's our problem, you know? Someone else caused right. our problem. Like, the person who's hitting me with a stick, it is... It is their fault that they are hitting me with a stick, but they're clearly not going to stop. And and the AC example is like, if I get a text that's like, turn down your AC or everyone's power is going to go out, I'm going to turn down my AC because I don't want everyone's power to go out. Not be- And it's not because I'm like, I mean, it is a good, like we're all pitching in together to not die thing, right? But it's also like, it's hard because 
it then becomes easy to blame people to be like, oh, you didn't turn down your AC, so it's your fault. And it's like, no, it's the people who fucking, I mean, Texas is that brilliant example where it's like cut off from the rest of America's grid because it's like, we got to be Texas. And that's like (laughs) why it's so, and that and like all the privatization is like why it's so precarious. And so we, we just build resiliency. It's like, I don't want to be pure fault. I want to be alive. And so like, I want to say like, okay, what will I do to keep cool if my AC goes out, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Can, I just, can yeah. I point out that it's weird how we talk about AC? Because we talk about turning down the AC. I know. Which I know. always I makes me think like turning yeah. down power, but actually what we mean is turning down temperature. Yeah. And then I say, when I say like turn up the AC, I, that means make it, I'm making it cooler. Hotter. In my mind, in my mind, if I turn up the AC. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. Floods. Yeah. All right. Floods. <laughs> well, that would be really bad if there was more than one disaster at once. Can't wildfires be enough? Or have there been floods? Um, there have also been floods. And I'm going to focus in on a couple kind of specific floods that have happened this month in the United States. But there is this large, it, it points to this larger problem. And some some of the things that I learned after digging into the floods in Vermont kind of um, highlight some key issues that I think are worth exploring. So the flood in Vermont that happened, it was like July 10th or 11th or something, where essentially two whole months of rain fell in two days. There was like nine inches of rain, which I was curious how much water that is because I, you know, we, we hear like, oh, one inch of rain, nine inches of rain. Like, what is what does that mean? And nine inches of rain over like over 20,000 square miles, um, which I don't actually know how big Vermont is, but this is the statistic that I looked up is like two and a half um like not not trillion but the next number the next magnitude quadrillion i don't even know what's above trillion yeah. off the top of my head <laughs> yeah it's it's like two and a half quadrillion gallons of water you know it's so i, got, I hope i don't get added about this math but that, no it, yeah. it's quadrillion <laughs> that is the we at least got the word right i looked it up great 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 yeah it's like it's it's that much water it is so like when we, we think about like, oh, one inch of rain is falling. Like one inch of rain falling in one day is a lot, you know? Like where I used yeah. to live flooded over like an inch and a half of rain, you know? And so to put that in perspective, nine inches of rain fell in Vermont over a two-day period. And um, in the first 24 hours, the river on the the – I am not going to pronounce this right – the um, Palm – Panasic River, it rose 19 feet in 24 hours. And then the next day, in a couple hours, it rose to 40 feet. And they're they're measuring this on a 170-foot dam. And are there any guesses as to how high the water rose on that dam? 70 foot dam, water had nine inches. Uh, two feet. I'm just going to be wrong. Seven feet. Oh, I was going to guess like 50 feet. Yeah, I just figured I'd be wrong. 
Okay. It rose 169 <gasps> feet. Nice. I mean, I'm bad. <laughs> it came within <laughs> one foot of the dam breaching, which, it, like, this dam, like, sits over Mount Pillier, um, which is, like, one of the only cities in Vermont. Um, and so the, the dam came within inches of breaching, and... Oh, Jesus, and would have flooded the city. Yes. It would have, like, this already huge catastrophe would have turned into something several magnitudes higher. Like, starting to get towards the dam got breached. Yeah. Fuck. As an indigenous and, woman, I'm like, fuck you, dams. But <laughs> at the same time, like, I don't I don't yeah. need to break like that and kill a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, and... Yeah, and yeah, so the, the the dam did not breach. Um, there was only one recorded death in the in the incident. Well, it's better than Pennsylvania did this month for floods in terms of deaths. Wait, what happened yeah. in Pennsylvania? Yeah, wait, more. wait, sorry, I got I got more. I got more. Great, oh, sorry. nope. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> so the one of the other big concerns, and I think this 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 ties in well to kind of preparedness, is um, locally there were a lot of people worried about. Um, a rather large houseless population that was turned out of uh, COVID housing, like a COVID housing program that ended in June. And so in July, there was like a lot more houseless people kicking around areas and um, houseless people, as some may know, love to congregate around like rivers and stuff because those are usually pretty chill places to hang out um, and to like access resources and stuff. And so, like, one thing that's noted is that, like, a lot of people experiencing housing insecurity, like, tend to congregate in the most flood-prone areas because those are the areas available to people to congregate. And so one cool thing that did happen is there was this shelter network that when they heard about the severe storms, they immediately went and started doing outreach to people living by the river um, and actually were able to do an evacuation um, of people on a bus. The, the bus actually ended up getting caught in a flood floodwaters and was destroyed, but the people on it were not harmed and people okay. were able to like evacuate by other means. But um, uh, yeah, just as like a wonderful thing you can do if you think your area might experience a flood is doing outreach to like houseless communities who um, might not know of the danger and um, might not have the resources to escape it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of the other big things was that in Vermont, uh, this isn't true as true in a lot of other places, but it's something specific to areas like Vermont or like West Virginia or like other mountainous areas. Like we, the, you know, they have, they have that phrase like, well, it's only three miles as the crow flies, but it's going to take an hour and a half to get there on the windy mountainous roads. Mm-hmm. Well, Vermont has a, a lot of windy mountainous roads, and almost all of those roads became completely undrivable because of roads washing out, mudslides, and these like huge floodwaters. And so the populations of Vermont were largely left trapped in their homes, unable to escape if things had gotten worse. Like people described like being completely cut off in these like little like, you know, mini islands of floodwaters. And yeah, just things to think about if you live in these, if you live in mountainous areas is like, 
having these like kind of early warnings to leave places because like yeah. as much as you might be able to like fortify your house as like a bunker for like preparedness if you get trapped in it and it floods then it didn't save your life i feel I like that say, goes back to what you were saying okay. margaret about commu- community building yeah earlier as someone who often lives in the mountains and currently lives in the mountains and this is like mountains flash flood really bad and a lot of mountainous areas like in the mountains people often build in the in the hollers and the, the the lower areas between you know in the valleys between different pieces of the mountain and stuff but and usually it's like the town actually floods sometimes more than some of the rural commu- the the houses outside of town not necessarily right but it's like because you put all if you have a bunch of houses you put them in the low line area but if you've got like two houses you can put them up on the ridge and there's like unfortunate if you're randomly being like man i want to move to the mountains you should think about buying one of the houses that's up on a hill instead of down in the valley um, for for that reason. And then the other weird random thing that I was like reading about is that apparently in a lot of flood prone places, this isn't like this is going to save everything, but people put an axe in their attic because one of the ways that a lot of people die in floods oh. is that they go higher and higher in their house. Mm-hmm. And so then as it gets up to their second floor or whatever the fuck, they then go into their attic. Um, mm-hmm. But if you go into your attic, you can't get out. Um, in a flood and so some people keep an axe in their attic I don't know whether that's I'm reading about it in a book but in a fiction book you know yeah I don't know yeah that is that is weirdly relatable like me and Margaret used to live somewhere that was prone to flooding and I remember the first time that we got a really bad flood like this was like our the like eight foot wide stream turned into like a 70 foot wide like moving current of water that was like up to your chest and yeah, it was bringing all kinds of shit down from yeah. yeah and yeah there's like trees floating by and there's all these like you know tiny houses and structures and stuff and um nobody there was all that concerned about it I think, except for me, like we were running around trying to like save tools and equipment and like stuff like that and make sure the cars were like up on high, the highest ground possible. And I was like, we have to leave because we might not be able to if we wait too long. And like, thankfully, I was wrong, but like it worried me how unworried people were about the flood in this like mountainous area that we could have mm. easily become trapped in. I was a little bit like my house is on the hill. <laughs> and so I went down <laughs> to help. <laughs> but I was like, Why don't we put our houses on the hill? <laughs> Which is yeah. not very community minded of me. <laughs> no, it's fine. But sorry, just to speed mm, through yeah, one yeah, thing, yeah. other thing real quick. Um, So another thing to think about with flooding is that, and I'd never thought about this until I was reading about it to prepare for this, but if you grow food, either Mm -hmm. in a garden or on a farm, water, like when when there's these huge floods, especially when the wastewater management facility gets like flooded out like it did in Vermont, all of the water that is in this flood water it's very dirty it's filled with Mm. like it's filled with raw sewage 
like a stupid amount of raw sewage. It's filled with like oil and like contaminants and like chemicals and like anything that was swept up in the floodwaters. And so like if you grow food and your garden gets flooded out, you can't eat any of that food. Yeah. Even if it's like root vegetables, like pretty like all fruit and vegetables that are like get contaminated by flood water are like completely inedible and like unsafe to eat. So it's something that like, you know, in a local area where a flood happens, it can cause a lot of problems for people. And then like globally, it can also cause like huge problems with food insecurity yeah and to talk about another food insecurity thing that's connected to floods um so in in ukraine this past month a uh dam like one of the largest like dam like water reservoirs in europe was blown up um and you know a lot of people are like people are like oh the russians did it because they're in control of it and the russians are like we didn't do it but the dam mysteriously blew up and it Derek Jensen was it, running seen someone in a in a raccoon sweater was seen running from the crime screaming about yes. why trans people are bad <laughs> yeah and so like this the the water in Kherson rose 20 feet and it destroyed Jeez. all of these like irrigation systems um and it is expected to affect 600,000 hectares of farmland that produce over 4 million tons of grain oh and a huge amount of the world's like um, vegetable oil. Oh, okay. I was reading about how there's vegetable oil shortages expected, but I didn't get to the why that explains it. <laughs> because the dam exploded in, in, in Ukraine. Because the, um, the war that is currently localized, but will eventually spread. Will... Um, Brooke, are, are there other things going on with food insecurity? Never, but maybe. I don't think I have anything on food insecurity. Oh, oh, sorry. I read the notes wrong. I made these notes ahead of time for everyone, and I put them in the chat, but then they lost all their, just so everyone knows, behind the scenes, all the cool insider information. (laughs) I put in the chat our, like, agenda of what we're going to talk about, but it lost all of the formatting when I pasted it in. So it's basically incomprehensible. But I will tell you about a medication insecurity Eh, that'll make everyone happy because that's not one of the okay just to be clear like um, medication is obviously one of the things that people will get the most concerned about when it comes to um, preparedness and stuff right because um, because of the way that medication is gate kept sometimes for good reasons sometimes for bad reasons it is not necessarily available to people to do anything sort of like stockpiling and things like that right and we rely on a lot of medications uh, for very good reasons in in our society Tornado Alley, you're like, oh, obviously this relates to tornadoes. Tornado Alley is the alley. It's the the part of the U.S. where tornadoes are sort of expected and normal, um, mm. as if they're not fucking terrifying. Jesus Christ! There's very few natural disasters. I'm more like, because I feel like her, like a tornado could just like be behind your back and you wouldn't know. Like it's like a horror movie. You're driving down the road and then the, everything turns green and then all of a sudden there's this death machine just like, Mah! and it's coming at you and it makes exactly that noise and sticks its tongue out and. <laughs> So people are like <laughs> not excited about tornadoes. At least I'm not. And um, they're green and have tongues. Yeah. Well, the sky does turn green that. sometimes before a tornado. Uh, one time I was on 
Anyway, so Tornado Alley is expanding thanks to climate change is the point of this. And there's been more and more bad tornadoes further east than there used to be. A tornado in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, um, which is outside of previous Tornado Alley, at least according to the article I read. I've been in North Carolina when there have been tornadoes, but they weren't like, this is totally normal. It was like kind of a bad thing. Well... Do you know that there was one 1.4 million square foot Pfizer manufacturing plant that was responsible for 25% of all of Pfizer's medications that it sends out to hospitals? <laughs> Did you know that one tornado no. destroyed the entire fucking thing this month? Oh, fuck. A, a tornado of 150 mile per hour wind speeds. I wrote down the like classification, but then I deleted it because I didn't feel like looking up all the classifications and trying to explain it. It was really a, a tornado. It was a bad tornado and it fucked this thing up. It destroyed 50,000 pallets of medication. And more specifically than that, it stopped the ability for this plant to produce the medication. Um, it was an injectable sterile medication place. So a lot of anesthetics, anesthes- hmm. things that make you unconscious. And I think also some antibiotics and other stuff that goes into like IVs and stuff was destroyed and the capacity for Pfizer to make more of it was destroyed. Um, the one silver lining is that the article used to have it wrong and say 25% of the U.S.'s injectable medication, but uh. it turns out it was only Pfizer's percent, which is probably a lot. Pfizer's a really fucking big name in uh, medication. So medication shortages were already before this, the worst that they've been in 10 years. In 2014, there was medication shortages about as bad as now. At the end of June, again, before the tornado, there were 309 specific like named drug shortages in the United States. Uh, a lot of them are related to like chemotherapy and all kinds of stuff. So that's bad. I, did, I didn't realize the medication shortage was worse now than it was like during the height of the pandemic and the end of it because it I know, was so I didn't bad. Either. I feel like you don't hear about it. Yeah. I mean, well, pandemic's over, so no one has to worry about anything anymore. I feel like this is the kind of thing where it's like, it's so hard because it's like, well, it's like, as we talk with, like this, the, this month in the apocalypse is just a fuck ton of bad shit, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> we're going to talk about our like some posy, like little silver lining, like uh, I saw a cute monkey kind of t- style stories, you know, like he's on roller skates. Um, and, <laughs> and it's like, it's hard to like spin like fucking this shit. It's hard to spin too much of our. Well, I don't know. I don't even want to tell them they're making drugs wrong. I don't know how to fucking make insulin, you know? Um, but like, obviously, there's some problems with centralization when there's tornadoes around, which I guess is like my Mothra Godzilla thing I was talking about earlier. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean,. But it's the kind of thing that, like, I wish we stayed more aware of. And I think it's the kind of thing that people mostly don't want to think about um, because we like to imagine that even if we'd go into debt to do so, if bad things happen, the existing system will be there for us. And and I don't want to knock the people who work really goddamn hard to make the existing system work and the the nurses and doctors and all the rest of the staff who work endlessly to make this shit happen. And so Pfizer's trying to move that manufacturing to other plants. Um, but they haven't been able to yet. And they're basically like, look, it's not actually easy. You would be talking about moving. Uh, none, none of the employees were hurt is the one upside of all of it. There's 2000 employees at that plant. And that's all I got 
besides are we ready for headlines like da, 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 headline time i think i think brooke has something about a, a murder wall i know but oh. i don't want to talk about it anymore because it's so depressing i want to talk about happy headlines should we just shout out the that there's wall. a fucking murder wall and that it's bad yeah the great that state like, of texas in a real yeah go ahead yeah, um, that that wonderful place and its uh, uh, dictator du jour, uh, Greg Abbott, decided to roll out some new measures in order to try and stop uh, immigration across the border. So they got a whole bunch of buoys. You know, buoys are things that float in the water that are like wrecking ball size, which I actually don't know how big a wrecking ball is, but I assume they're massive. Bigger than a bread box. <laughs> <laughs> like the size of a car maybe i actually don't know somebody somebody comments and tell us how big wrecking balls are i don't know big um anyway they got a, a shit ton of them and um floated them out into the rio grande uh, river and anchored them to the riverbed to basically create a floating wall in the middle of the river that's uh, currently about a thousand feet long and may get longer and then they also went through uh as part of that project there's lots of little islands that are on the Rio. Um, they tend to have grasses and shrub brushes and stuff like that. Uh, and they had the um, the Texas military go in and basically bulldoze everything off the top of the islands. So now they're just <laughs> like dirt mounds in the middle of the river. And also... Some World bulldoze. War One shit is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They bulldozed down uh, the river banks on the United States side so that they could put up... Um, uh, barbed wire along uh, sections of the river there too, which, you know, the river's at its low part right now because we're in summer, so I'm sure that taking away all of the vegetation and root systems uh, won't have any problems when the waters rise later in the year. Not, none at all. Well, you know, it's just yeah. worth the trade-off to economically destroy... Even, for, if, even if I was a fucking capitalist, I would be against the border wall. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, it's there's several things that are wrong with it besides just the really obvious, you know, uh, ethical wrongness, the murderness, yeah, the, the whole fucking thing. And you know, as an indigenous person, I have really complicated feelings about that because borders and migration. And anyway, but like it was the state of Texas that did it. They didn't talk to the local uh, cities or mu- municipalities about the work that they were doing, so they just you know rolled up and destroyed their shit. And then it's also technically international waters because it's a um, border between two countries and they didn't talk to Mexico about it either or the federal government for that matter. So, you know, Mexico is threatening to, to take action against Texas and the federal government has sued the state of Texas uh, and local governments are uh, super pissed off. So fun on so many levels. I'm glad people are pissed oh. off. That's the one yeah. I'm glad that murder wall has been a step too far for even some governments. Yeah. I mean, it's like the um, Arizona did a similar thing last year before the governor, um, like when, when the governor was realized that he was like not going to get reelected, he um, started building this giant shipping container wall. Oh yeah. Along the border. And like, he was actually ordered by the federal government to stop doing it. And he just didn't. And there were, but there were all these like interesting things that happened where like there were like local sheriffs and stuff who were like enforcing that law like against the wow. like the governor or like the people building 
the wall and there were, there were all mm-hmm. these like wild disputes about it where it became it became very like the US government versus the US government like situation. <laughs> I don't hate that. I've played yeah. enough risk. I know that when my enemies are fighting it's time to sit back. <laughs> yeah. But but a really cool thing that was able to happen was that a lot of people were because it was like not a legal thing were able to stage some pretty like large scale defense against the area by like going and like occupying the area to stop construction but like no one was going to arrest them because it wasn't legal for them to be building it (laughs) oh oh this this river section also um hosts a, a large annual kayak race that now can't happen because the buoys are in the way so like like there was an interview with the yeah, a, a Republican kayaker guy who's like, you know, super into anti-immigration. He's like, but now they've, you know, like, we can't do our, our kayak race here. And I'm super pissed off about it. So, like, even more reasons that people are <laughs> angry about this that are ridiculous. But, hey, let's, you know, let's be angry. Yeah. Yeah, golly. Is it time for headlines? It's time for headlines. Is that our, wait, we got to come up with a Yeah, there we go. All right. What I got. Okay, you know how there's this thing that like COVID and the flu and shit were all hitting, and then there was also RSV, which like mostly fucks mm. over kids. Mm-hmm. In adults, in in adults who aren't old. I don't know how to phrase this mm. without okay, whatever. In some people it just manifests as a cold, and other people it is really bad, right? RSV, I don't even know if it stands for. I didn't write down enough. This is my, supposed to be my headlines, and now I'm contextualizing. They have an injectable antibody that the FDA just approved called Bayfortis, and it's the first time that there has been a like good specific thing that is like a preventative for RSV that has become available. Um, and so that's promising. I'm curious to see how that goes, because I know RSV was like fucking over a lot of people I know. Apparently cement is one of the biggest causes of climate change in the Uh, goddamn world. Yep. Um, It is the 12th biggest cause of climate change. It beats out air travel, apparently. And it, uh, and cement overall puts out more carbon than the entire country of India does. Mm -hmm. One company is working on a carbon negative cement that is just like manufactured very different from Portland cement. Portland cement is like the main way that people make cement, which both involves like a lot of burning of carbon in order to create it because you need kilns and also then is slowly off gassing carbon for like a very long time with the concrete. Um, And so they're working on and they've proven it to be like structurally sound and who knows whether this will act. I know that it won't get see widespread adoption because there's no incentive for it because capitalism is the economic system that runs the world. But someone has invented a concrete that actually absorbs carbon. Um, It just sort of like passively brings it on instead of putting it out. I don't know if this is the same project, but the um, I worked for a nonprofit a couple of years ago or uh, right before the start of the pandemic that was doing research into uh, this very thing, and they were putting really tiny amounts of wood fiber, cellulose, uh-huh. into cement. And they were they were they weren't doing it. They were funding because it was a charity organization. They were mm-hmm. funding the testing of this. And I wonder if this is maybe the next stage of that, or even the same company. Yeah, 
This company is called Brimstone, which is funny. (laughs) (laughs) They might be evil. They might not be. But they're named Brimstone, and we don't live in a boring world. (laughs) And then my final little posy note is that some agricultural workers have been like, well, some agricultural workers have been dying in the heat. And so another agricultural woman, uh, agricultural worker woman, um, developed a, a cooling vest and has just been doing a lot of studies about like just specific ways about like how people who are working outside and who are stuck working outside can beat the heat with these hot new ideas. But it's like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, well, what if people just didn't have to do this fucking work outside in the goddamn heat, but it's still yeah. good for us to develop these systems. And I love that it is coming from um, people who do this work themselves. Okay. So, and I, I think it's, it's like kind of a swamp cooler style vest. It's like, and they just did a lot of studies about like if a worker drinks water versus a worker drinks electrolytes, the people, the person who drinks electrolytes is going to have a substantially lower risk of hospitalization and heat stroke. Um, and then even like wearing a wet bandana makes a huge difference. Obviously like anything that revol- relies on swamp cooling is going to be different based on your humidity levels. Mm-hmm. If you're in the Southeast it's going to be way harder to use passive cooling from water than if you live in the Southwest. But that's what I got. Uh, anyone else did it, did it, did it, did it, hot off the wire. Did it, did it, did it, did it. I have a bunch of headlines. They're not good. One's, one's interesting. You're fired. I'm fired. I'm not actually capable of doing that. Okay. Um, in Flor- in the, the great state of Florida, this month it was declared that uh, by Rick DeSantis that um, middle schoolers will be taught about the personal benefits that slavery had for individuals uh, as part of um, as part of DeSantis's uh, war on wokeness. <laughs> he also uh, was quoted as saying that he was really upset about the ways that, and he meant this and how de- like Democrats are doing it, are criminalizing political differences, uh, which is interesting because he's like the forefront mm-hmm. of criminalizing political differences. It's almost like it's illegal to advocate the eradication of people based on their race. Yeah. Um, and he, he passed some wild laws in Florida's, Florida this month. This, this, one, this one is like by itself, you might hear it and you're like, lack of sympathy but like contextualizing it with other stuff that rick desantis is doing is important so he passed a law uh that allowed for the death penalty in child rape convictions um despite the supreme court having ruled otherwise which you know when i hear that i'm like this is another roe v wade situation of states like trying to get laws passed so in the hopes that when like federal rulings are overturned, that they have these laws on the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is so that he can kill gay people and trans people. Yeah. Because, so it, sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. So th- then interestingly in Texas last month, also a, like a, a lesbian couple was arrested for kissing at a mini golf course and they were charged with sexual harassment of a minor. Yeah. So, like, if we contextualize these things together and DeSantis's yeah. like war on trans on trans people, we can sort of see where this is going. Is that DeSantis probably wants to make it legal to enforce the death penalty against trans people? He also 
signed a bill to end unanimous jury requirement in death penalty <gasps> sentences. Sick. There now you just need an eight to four in favor, um, which is a huge, huge spread. You know. Hell yeah! This is gonna go great. He was also uh, involved in a car accident this morning in Tennessee, and he was not hurt. Damn it. That's fucked up. I know. I know. Some other fun headlines. Uh, Robert Kennedy's claimed at a press conference that COVID may have been ethnically targeted to spare the Jews in mm. a absolutely absurd uh, brand of like uh, conspiracy theories against Jewish people. Student debt forgiveness, uh, people will be expected to pay back their refunded payments, according to uh, the like re- the student debt forgiveness being repealed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, they met the blood and the stone. <laughs> the ability um, to withdraw one from the other. Um, a Supreme Court ruling was... Uh, like kind of not like overturned, but like like a an old ruling was over like a not used in a case right now around um, stalking, where um, it's going to be a lot easier for people who are stalking people, especially on the internet, to not get in trouble for it. And it kind of boils down to this idea: they were like this idea that the more deluded the stalker, the more protected the stalking will be. It's like pleading insanity, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Being like this person was unaware of the impacts that it could have had on this person. Classic thing that should inform the law, the the awareness of breaking it. The mens rea. Yeah. It's weirdly situated like that to protect people like at protests who might scream like, like, I'm going to fucking kill so-and-so, you know, in like a, Uh like in like a heightened state and there that yeah. being weighed against that that person probably didn't mean that but it being used to like that being used to protect people threatening to kill people on the internet while stalking them is yeah. you know clearly clearly these things aren't the same thing yeah laws are bad puberty blockers Sorry. in England were disallowed on a large scale in case outside of exceptional cases. So like trans kids in Europe will no longer be allowed to access puberty blockers. Well, UK, but yeah, in the UK, um, technically no longer Europe, thanks to their right wing move to separate themselves. <laughs> yeah. This does not make it any better for the UK kids. I'm sorry. I'm being a pedant. I apologize. <laughs> Yay. Turf Island. Yeah. No. Putin signed new legislation on like this past Monday, I think, which marked the final step in outlawing gender affirming procedures. So basically you can't get any gender affirming like surgical procedures in Russia anymore. And the bill was unanimously approved by the Russian parliament, which bans any medical interventions aimed at changing the sex of a person as well as changing anyone's gender marker on their documents. The only exception will be for medical intervention to treat congenital 
anomalies, which I think probably refers to like assigning intersex people yeah. genders. It also annuls marriages in which one person has changed their gender and bars transgender people from becoming foster or adoptive parents. And yeah, so Russia is even more terrifying. I'm um, starting to not like Russia. <laughs> starting, starting to? Yeah, starting I don't know. I'm, like Putin, Putin's starting to seem like kind of a... I'm, I'm starting to develop a negative impression. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just to give people in the United States an idea of where we're headed, this was all in the name of upholding traditional family values. That was the main cause for this legislation. TFV. Um, oh yeah. TFV. And my last little headlines, um, which I wanted to connect to talking about heat wave stuff earlier. A nine-year-old migrant died after having uh, seizures due to heat-related illness in Arizona this past month. There were at least 10 recorded migrant deaths in southern Arizona due to heat-related complications. But Border Patrol claims to have rescued 45 people from the scorching heat of the desert. But interestingly, in Ajo, Arizona, which is like western western arizona there was a this it was like 114 degrees outside and um border patrol had 50 migrants in custody who they were keeping in like an outdoor chain linked pen with like no shade or anything so they have the people that they rescued they then put in life-threatening conditions Starting to not like the United States government either. Yeah, it's starting to feel US's... on par with Russian government. I know you're supposed Welcome to pick to one the or the party. other. <laughs> yeah, it's I hate it's everything. bad. Everything is bad. Really bad. And I want to get more into the Southwest and Border Patrol and this issue another time. But stuff's stuff's really bad right now. So yeah, that's my headlines. Margaret, you're the optimistic one. What do we do? What do we do in this terrible world? We build resilient communities, network them together, teach each other things, try to limit the amount of gatekeeping we do within those communities. We value conflict resolution as high as we we value survival skills and more traditional forms of preparedness. And we support a diversity of actions against all of the negative things that are happening in the world, whether or not we believe those actions are strategic, we support any action that falls within our bounds of ethics, including people who are like annoying church liberals or people who are like taking things too far with the gasoline and the timers made out of kitchen timers. We support the wide range of it and we try to live our lives as best we can. We recognize that winning is not a condition it's not like a win state, right? There's not a state at which we win, but instead there's a reason we say winning at life. We don't say one at life. We say that we are in the process of winning. And when we fight and when we build and when we love one another, we win. We live the best lives that we can despite everything that's happening. And we work really hard to help other people live the best lives that they can. 
Thank Maybe you. it was a rhetorical I, question. Uh, I'm not sure. No, I do feel a little bit. I, no, honestly, I feel a little bit better now. I really do. Love wins. We win with love, love and care. And that, and that goes to the core of me being me as a nurturing, loving person. And living like we're preparing for the world to die, should we also live like the empire could be dying yeah yeah i mean like <laughs> capitalism has proved a sturdy beast but it can certainly be slain and if anything can slay it it is the nightmare that is coming <laughs> um that we will all figure out how to come together to handle yay that a good that a good end note anyone got more headlines no (laughs) well sad now i'm too sad well if you enjoyed this podcast you can tell your friends about it and you can more than that get together with your friends and talk about what the fuck we're gonna do right uh because it is a good idea for us to get together and talk about what we're gonna do because your talking heads on the radio podcast land can't tell you what to do. Uh, you you and your friends decide what risks are appropriate based on what's happening and what you all want to do with the time that is available to you. But one of the things you can do with the time that's available to you is support this podcast by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. We put out new features every month and uh, we have multiple podcasts, including one called Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness and one called Anarcho Geek Power Hour and one called Live Like the World is Dying, which you probably know is the one that you're listening to right now if you made it this far. <laughs> and... If you become one of our like super special $20 a month backers, you, I mean, all of the backers make this fucking possible, right? Um, they pay for the transcription to so try and keep this as accessible as possible. They pay for the editing, which allows us to actually come out um, weekly. And it helps get all of the interviews out that we can, because what some of us have chosen to do with this time is to try and spread this kind of message right um we don't currently get paid for coming on here and talking i'm not opposed to us becoming paid but in particular we want to thank lord harkin and trickster let's just go back to lord harkin really quick that's a sick name and trickster and princess miranda these are all such good fucking names and ben ben and anonymous can't go wrong with anonymous and funder which is funny and jans <laughs> and oxalis which is a plant and janice and odell and Paige. i'm going to run out of things to say about these things these names uh and ali and paparuna and boise mutual aid thanks for being a mutual aid organization milicia and theo and hunter and sean and sj and Paige again uh, and Mickey and Nicole and David and Dana and Chelsea and Kat J and Starro and Jennifer and Eleanor and Kirk and Sam and Chris and Micaiah. And of course, our longest term funder, who is a pit bull, Haas the dog. Woo-woo. Thank you, Haas the dog. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye for now. <laughs>